Harper and I would like to provide a trigger warning for listeners who may not be in a healthy place to listen to intimate discussions on topics of dissociated memories and sexual assault. We believe in the power of healing from sexual trauma and the importance of protecting yourselves from setbacks on your journey. Hey, y'all. Um, a lot's happened. It's been a while since our welcome last podcast. Back. Yeah, welcome back. But um, today we've got a really good friend of mine on, Maya. Um, she's my heart and soul. One of the people that I've just felt so connected with lately and, well, really ever since I met you. Um, and I'm really excited to dive into what we're going to be talking about today. Um, she and I were just talking about this and we first started talking about you coming on probably like a year-ish yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you were talking about this podcast, and I was like, hmm, this is my take on (laughs) secrets. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And for me, it was, like, a really fascinating take because, please explain Um, your first, your gut reaction to it. Yeah, was um, that having a secret, when does it become the difference between lying and privacy? And just because we share a lot, and I feel like we kind of now think we own information on people like obviously social media contributes to that but even when caller id (laughs) cell phones Mm -hmm. everything people could like know where you were all the time if you just didn't text somebody they were like where are you (laughs) (laughs) and so when when are you allowed privacy but Mm -hmm. also when does keeping a secret to yourself become a lie to other people and especially people you're intimate with and that's Mm -hmm. something i've been struggling with for a couple of years yeah <laughs> of like when is it private and I'm just doing myself a favor mm-hmm. and when am I actually doing somebody I'm really close to a disservice so yeah yeah that's that was my take <laughs> yeah and you told me that and I was like mind blown kind of moment where I was just <laughs> like this flips our whole podcast on its head of like really yeah. getting at the heart of um why sharing why share your secrets and when to share your secrets and it also like goes into that like push and pull between like the individual and the community and how much do you owe your community to feel safe within it and to feel connected to it um and how much can you reserve for yourself as an individual and and have that be okay and have your community respect that as well exactly um i think too in addition to like to all those tensions that we feel from just the 21st century that we live in. I think the three of us also have a unique feeling within that as people who are raised Christian Mm -hmm. because of like Mm -hmm. the act of confession and also the act of like sharing your sins um, and like the built-in accountability that existed within that structure of growing up that really ingrained in me that I I have to share Mm -hmm. any sort of feeling, thought that I have that is maybe abnormal to feel relief from it. Right, definitely. And yeah. to, like, sit with it just myself yeah. is is too uncomfortable and feels too isolating, yeah. you know, and, and wrong yeah. in a way. It, yeah. I think the wrongness of keeping something private, like, is very much instilled. Like, I remember being in um, at the end of church camp. They did these bonfires at the end. Everybody, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> Where yeah. you throw your sacrilegious CDs in the fire, yeah. right? Like Eminem <laughs> and Beyonce. But um, uh, I was at this point out of it. I was just a counselor. And there were these girls standing up. Um, so mind you, it's boys and girls. And everyone is either, it's from seventh grade to high, like senior in high school. And these girls are standing up and talking about how they had been raped and how safe they feel at this church camp and to me I I mean I knew some of the girls and like it just felt like we're trying to show how how much we've suffered kind of thing right then but then I was like what is this like why are we sharing this in this setting right here to everyone and it's just like sat wrong with me like what is compelling you to share this like is it because that if we don't share everything like 
then we're doing something wrong. Like, it, it's, like, sinful, and we're not showing our true selves or something. Like, or are we just, like, trying to have a story? Like, I, like I don't, I didn't know what it was. Like, what is compelling? Because it felt very inappropriate to me at first, and it still does. Because, like, there were, like, 12-year-old boys hearing, like, who have no idea and, like, hearing about sexual assault from these girls that they're sitting next to. And it just felt like super inappropriate, but also like what's compelling us to talk and share all of this right now. And and even like boys would stand up. Oh, it's my phone. <laughs> boys would stand up and also try to do the same thing. Um. <laughs> yeah, and I think too with that, like, as you get your phone. I think too with that too, it's... It's strange to me to have, like, for someone to feel like they need to, like, confess that to a group when, like, it was a wrong that was done to you. And I just wonder if, within that context, if, if like, it was something that they were needing to confess almost in, like, uh, a complicit sort of way, mm. you know? If they were feeling like they needed to, like, take ownership of that, mm. you know, um, yeah. in front of all of these people when they shouldn't feel... I just wouldn't want anyone to ever feel like they needed to share something like that with people in such a public way yeah. as if to, like, admit a sort of guilt in it. Yeah, know? and, and like, like, it felt more of, like, um, oh, not a need to confess because it was, like, always, like, I just want to let the guys know here how safe I feel and, like, thank you. And it wasn't like a I'm sharing this burden for the first time or something like that. Yeah. And it just it just felt wrong and like I don't know, like something attached to something and like you need to know this about me because mm-hmm. we're all here to share everything. Because mm-hmm. people were sharing everything that night. <laughs> but like yeah, yeah those, they last forever, those yeah. campfires. And I am all yeah, and I'm all for um people like naming what they need to name like Mm -hmm. and coming Mm -hmm. but I but I wonder like if we're feeling that way because we feel false if we don't or and like doing our like self a disservice or like do we really want people to know like Mm -hmm. and so we seem valuable in some way if that makes sense especially within like the christian context too yeah yeah and especially Mm -hmm. suburban white christian context yeah like they're like i like (laughs) whenever i talk about this i always talk about the whole iphone thing where kids in high school and middle school would like purposely crack their iphones to make it seem that they had a rough life and like that is sometimes to me is what we do when like what we've now it, it's like a it's a really fine line to walk because for so long we haven't been able to share things right things have been like so taboo sexuality um religion everything um mental health but then I wonder like when do things are we making people feel like uncomfortable and that like they have to share and they can't keep things private Mm -hmm. you know it's like this such fine line and then when does it become then for me it's just like I'm I'm just I have no answers (laughs) but I'm just thinking of like when it starts feeling like a lie at some point and so like when is that and Mm -hmm. how do I because still like it's like well sometimes I just want to keep things private Mm-hmm. And I don't want to have to share because mm-hmm. I don't want them to see my cracked iPhone because I don't like it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I'll, yeah, that's what all I got mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think you kind of tap on, like, my brain compartmentalizes those as two different things. Like mm-hmm. one is like wound sharing, like mm-hmm. here's all my wounds, and one is like secret sharing. And I, I think I do see those as two different things. And when I heard you telling the story about the girls who shared. At the bonfire, my initial, like, feeling was fear for them Mm. because, yes, like, they're sharing with all these other, like, 12-year-old boys that they've been vulnerable Mm -hmm. and that they feel so safe, which Mm -hmm. I also think is making them really fucking vulnerable to all these 12-year-old boys who Uh probably haven't had any actual sex ed and being told, I feel so safe with you, a.k.a like there's a lot of vulnerability yeah. that like 
these would be easy women to prey on too, is what I was thinking too. Mm, yeah. Um, so, but I also understand your vibe being there as a counselor, feeling partially protective and partially kind of like, Oh, why did you share that? Like, what was your motivation? And I think that the motivation was like, sometimes when we feel safe, there's this need to be like, I need to have my wounds licked and like validated. Totally. And I yeah. feel like that, I also see, I understand why there's a need for that, but I also think that there's what you're calling privacy. I would also call like protection and like self-preservation that mm. if I don't choose the right people to lick my wounds and to validate me, I may be making myself more vulnerable yeah. to being abused or having that used against me. Yeah. That's such a great way to put that. <laughs> like a really good point of like who you're choosing to share that with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously these are young people. So it's like, yeah. you don't know how to navigate who to tell and who not <laughs> to tell. And like that yes. felt like the most appropriate and safe space. But yeah. And, and then at the same time, like, you know, you know, those bonfires, they just go on forever <laughs> and it feels like everyone has something and they're just like grasping at straws for it in the end, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's like, what are like purging all of these things? Like, like, do we put pressure on ourselves to have something to purge sometimes, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, I don't, I don't necessarily like that either mm-hmm. <laughs> because it also takes away from people who, who do and like, um, and feeling like their thing is maybe so small compared to something, but there's just, this is like such a thin line to walk on. Right. And it's like, yeah, because there, anyone should be able to say, this is what's happened to me. And how do you know when the right appropriate time for them is to choose that? But I feel like it's getting off. (laughs) Well, what I was going to say partly about that example is that, like, that is such a unique example of um, sharing something. Because in the normal everyday world, there isn't pressure to share something like that to a group of people. Mm -hmm. That's, like, a uniquely... Christian religious maybe in general thing you know um that you're accountable to this whole community that you don't even really know or or necessarily care about as a whole but but it's it's the thing to do for that next like hour and foreseeable future that's what everybody's doing is going up and and sharing um I'm curious for you um Kitty with you maybe we need to edit this out if it's not okay to talk about, but like with you, like discovering how church, how there's like a, mm-hmm. uh, like a hole that church has left you with, you know, like in mm-hmm. terms of that, like yeah. needing that, that, um, confession and, and that like connection and like vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you get out of those times? Like within the church mm-hmm. of like mass confession, you know? Um, See, I don't know that I totally understand the idea of mass confessions. I don't think I interpreted those bonfire moments as mass confessions. I think I viewed them as, like, mass vulnerability shares. Because I don't... Yeah. Because I guess, to be honest, I don't hear... Like, when I hear anything about sexual assault, I don't think of that as a confession. Because I obviously don't think of that person as having fault. Mm. And I don't know that I was necessarily in a lot of spaces where people were, like, talking about bad things they did. They were mm-hmm. talking about how bad they'd been hurt. So I saw that more as, like, wound revealing than, like, okay. confession. Okay. I, when I, I don't know if why, but when I think of confession, I think of it as, like, say something that you did wrong. Yeah. And take responsibility. And I can't say that I heard a ton of that. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> Around, like, the campfire sort of setting? Yeah. I heard both, definitely, okay. growing yeah. up. Yeah. It was definitely cool. a mix of, like owning up to things that you did that were wrong and then also yeah. things that, that were done yeah. wrong to like you. that was the intention. Yeah. It was like, yeah. let's say how we've grown this week mm-hmm. and and instead, like, other things, like, people are just revealing mm-hmm. these other things instead. Actually, I remember um, at Taylor, which is a Christian college that I went for t- for two years. That's um, we camp. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So at Taylor, they had, like, a purity week, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and uh, it did end in this, like, confessional time in front of the entire college. And I remember a girl on my floor mm-hmm. going up and talking about 
how she masturbated Mm. and confessing that to everyone in the auditorium and just crying hysterically. And I just remember after that, that being like, I am so embarrassed for you. Like I would not be able to walk around campus Mm -mm. with that afterward. But there is this like, there's this feeling in those settings that is so unique that I think really did imprint upon my psyche. This like compulsion to share things with people without thinking about whether they were a safe space or not. Mm -hmm. And I've done that my entire life until this last year. Mm -hmm. And this last year is when I finally started to think more critically about like, is this person someone that deserves to hear my yeah. my vulnerability and instead of viewing vulnerability as something that I owe people looking at it as like an opportunity that I'm giving people of like I'm letting you have a chance to like come into this mm-hmm. and like experience like a real side of humanity mm-hmm. and I'm only going to pick someone who I think is worthy of that which like look framing it that way has helped me feel so much more empowered when I'm doing it mm-hmm. and to like also be able to like make those cuts better of being like Okay, I've seen the way that you've reacted to other people sharing vulnerable things that you didn't realize were vulnerable. You did not respond in a way that, like, I feel good about. I'm not going to share this with you. And being more picky about that. Mm. The other thing that's helped me has been dating the person that I was dating. um, Mm -hmm. And I'm no longer dating. But he was a very private person. Mm -hmm. And learning from him, seeing the way that he navigated those things... And in such an opposite way of what I did, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take some of that. And I appreciate that. And like, and he, cause he felt really good in that. Like, I don't owe anybody an explanation for what I do unless it's going to affect them. Mm-hmm. And he had a really good sense of that. And I, and I learned from that. And like, that's more of like where I've like learned also like how to, when I, when I should feel obligated to, to tell somebody something, which I think goes into um, something that you talk about a lot, Kitty, is that like you want to give people the opportunity to consent to a experience yeah. that they're going to be involved in in being yeah. with you, mm-hmm. and that's like that's where the line is drawn of that, like I mm-hmm. do owe you this um, this information because it's going to affect you. Mm-hmm. So that's now unless I decide that I don't want to go forward right. in this with you, you know. Um, I don't know if you mm-hmm. want to talk about that at all, and like. In, in yeah. your understandings of that, coming to an understanding of that more? Well, I guess I do. It is a pretty big value of mine that I do not want anyone to be in a relationship where they don't have all the information that does affect them. But I still think there's a lot of parts of me and my experience and who I am that doesn't have to affect them, you know? And so mm-hmm. I don't think I owe anybody everything about me but I do think I owe them the information that could impact them. And so I think that, like, I struggle a little bit when I know that people are, are like, keeping secrets from their partner. Um, at least I struggle to, like, have faith that that's going to turn out well for them. Mm-hmm. Like, people have relationships that look very differently from mine and from my preference, and I that can be successful. And I just get a little bit anxious when I know that people in my life are harvesting secrets that I think that if the other person knew, it would impact them. And to me, that there is something to like, well, is that person really consenting to be in a relationship with someone who has this belief that you know if this person knew that they had, would it would cause some tension or... Or maybe inspire some communication, which is usually a good thing in my book. Um, but, I mean, I, I can see how that's a really vague concept. So I think that will naturally look different in every person. Mm. And yeah. everyone has different boundaries. Yeah, I happen to have a high preference for transparency with my relationships. And that's how I feel intimate because that's how I feel known. I think that would be hard for me to consider someone a close friend who didn't know things that I found, like, foundational about me. Yeah. Because I'd be like, well, do you really know me if you don't know that this happened to me or that this is how I... Yeah. Yeah. So that is um, exactly what I've been thinking a lot about, especially this last month. And so, uh, like I've told you guys before, um, I've had two repressed memories that ended up, like, being like 
very traumatic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And one just happened recently. And so with that, it's like, okay, well, what do I do with this information? Because it's, is it defining me like right now? And part of that is just navigating like those scenarios and figuring out like what is, what's happened since then and how is it, has it affected me? Um, and then the other thing is I'm the same way where it's like people that I'm very close to, if I don't give that information, I, I, I feel like I'm almost living a double life. Mm-hmm. And, but then I'm like, I think you guys are articulating it in such a great way that I've never thought of articulating, um, is like giving this person consent to also hear what I have to say. Um, because so my partner says that I'm, like, I don't know how to say something that's big without being dramatic. And it's very true. <laughs> because I don't know, like, I just don't know how to do it. Like, I don't know how to mm. give somebody this yeah. information that feels very big to me. And because yeah. and, I want to say it as, like, with the, as least threatening as I can. But also, because I feel like when I talk, and especially when I talk about things that are affecting me, my voice sounds like a shell. Like, I just found sound very hollow. So I'm like, all right, well, how else can I, like, make them know that this is a big deal and there are feelings there, but I don't want to, like, give them out right now or this isn't the time for feelings. It's just the time for information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, like, I don't know how to, like, approach things in a, like, oh, and this happened to me, like, very fleeting way or whatever. Yeah. Um, But... So I, so at that, with that, it's just like, I don't know how to tell people Mm. like that. I do want to tell because I'm just like, Mm. I'm going to sound dead inside, but I'm really not. Mm. (laughs) And, and then I'm going to make you think that it's the biggest deal ever. And it's really not, it's Mm -hmm. just information. Yeah. So I'm like, oh man, yeah. (laughs) I don't even know where to begin. Like I recently was like trying to write my, um, cousin a a letter (laughs) and it was just so so dramatic (laughs) and I was like I can't so I turned it into a poem but (laughs) (laughs) it's a a good format for drama but yeah um, I I relate to that so much um (laughs) I've learned a lot from one of our mutual friends uh about how to do that less how to frame things in like a more like light and positive way because she realizes like she has that understanding that like the way that you frame it is also going to be how the person feels then that they need to receive Uh it right yeah and so learning how to frame it in a lighter way lets them know like you can receive this in a lighter way Mm. um but uh but it's tricky it's tricky yeah because uh, because sometimes you still do feel it in a heavy way as Mm -hmm. well I don't I don't know um yeah. Yeah, and and you yeah, and you want them to know it's like it's okay. Like it's right. okay. Right. Yeah. But then at the same time you're like, well, it's not just like I went and got ice cream. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a little bit more than it's that. It's a little bit, but <laughs> I don't want you to like feel horrible cuz then then I also feel like I'm mm. when I'm trying to say something and I'm like it's okay. I'm like it's okay. And my voice goes like Yeah, and you're like, oh, I just gave myself yeah, away. Yeah. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> like it is okay. Stop. <laughs> so I just don't even know how to do that. And I'm very, I feel like um, this last couple months, actually, but especially this last month, I'm like, wow, I'm really not as good at dealing with things as I thought I was. Girl, welcome to the club. Yeah. 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 And um, my boyfriend has kind of been the light on that one because he's Mm -hmm. like, you need to talk about these things. And he's like, whether it's to me or not. And it has been to him. Like, Mm -hmm. everything has, like, always been to him and he's such a supportive partner in that but like it took a long time for them to like surface for, for me to be able to say anything just because yeah. I don't know how and mm-hmm. also I'm like it's not affecting my daily life as mm-hmm. far as I can see it mm-hmm. so you know can you clarify when you say you had two repressed memories happen does that mean one of the because you said one was recent yeah. Was it a recent event or was it recently that the repressed memory came back to your conscience? Yeah, it was uh, recent that it came back. So In your conscience. Yes. Okay. And they were like, 
two separate occasions, two very like different memories. Um, and I remember the first one though was um, like how I got there, which is interesting because I did not, I have no idea how this other one hit me. But the first one, um, I like went on this date and I don't date. <laughs> so I thought, but I just was like, oh, I'm going to go on this day and I was date and I was feeling like, Adventurous, and I was like, I'm gonna kiss him if he wants to kiss me, because mm -hmm. I never let any guys kiss me. <laughs> and um, but then we were having a great time, and then when he tried to kiss me, like it was like a flip, like switched and or switched flip, <laughs> <laughs> and I just couldn't do it, and it felt weird. Like the movement that he did was like very familiar, and it just felt weird. And and then he like like went to the bathroom and minutes went by and then he he tried again it wasn't like aggressive or anything like that it was just like he thought maybe he messed up the first time so he tried to kiss me again and I I was like pumping myself up like yeah I'll do it if he tries again and then he tried and I was like no <laughs> mm -hmm. and so I made him leave nicely and then um just the whole time though after he left I was like what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Like, why? What is wrong with me? And I went to sleep just, like, over in my head, like, what is wrong with me? Because it was, like, something that I wanted and then just something, like, was dead. Like, mm -hmm. like it was, like, my whole body, like, shut off. And then so I had these dreams and they were very weird because it wasn't, like, it was a dream because I was sleeping, but it felt like I was, like, actually in my own brain and, like, I was going through layers of, like, my brain and everything was like mm -hmm. this weird uh purpley and blue like wall but not wall like that I was like walking through and I woke up and this memory just played in front of me like a video and it wouldn't stop until the end and then I was just like that's what's wrong with me and then like that is how that one came about and I was just mm -hmm. like totally hit and did not think repressed memories were like that where it's literally <laughs> you have no recollection of remembering it all until it happens and until it comes back until it comes back yeah mm -hmm. and it was just weird like and I mean it felt like my brain was searching for it and it found it like as soon as I woke up yeah mm -hmm. and then um the second one me and my partner were just driving and we were going to a wedding and like I have no idea what triggered it, but it was, like, the same thing where it was just a video playing in front of me. Like, I could see nothing else but this whole scene happen, and I was just like, whoa. Like, what do you, what do, you do with that information? Like, we were supposed to be going to a wedding, and I was just like... Because, like, when the first one happened, I had the whole weekend by myself and just kind of, like, sat in it and, like allowed myself to be sad and then I was like all right well I know what's wrong and why I acted the way I did and I can work from here and then so like with the second one it was just like what like I have no time yeah. <laughs> like I'm not gonna be like a sorry sack at this wedding and think right. about it and I didn't think about it until apparently I got super drunk and bawled my eyes out with Coleman holding mm -hmm. me and like mm -hmm. told him actually and um, he's, was the perfect person, but, like, mm -hmm. I didn't, I felt like I didn't have, like, time to, like, and also I felt, mm -hmm. I felt dumb, too, like, mm -hmm. why is my brain, like, not allowing me to, why is it doing this, like, yeah. and how did I yeah. not know, like, two times, like, mm -hmm. how did I not know, and just, like, wow, I'm not good at dealing with stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so with that, too, it's like, okay, well, those are things that happen. And so it's like, it does define me, but then I'm like, no, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I'm like, but I, like, do I share it with people that I want to be close to? Or mm -hmm. is it private? Because I, it's like, I don't need to. Like, what, you know. Yeah. And, it, and I think it's about feeling out. When I totally agree with, giving somebody information if it's affecting them mm -hmm. um but then at the same time it's like maybe it's not affecting you but i i want to be as close as possible and you should know it's affecting sides. you yeah and it's affecting me yeah and like yeah um yeah mm -hmm. and so it's just like what is am i lying to these people that i love mm -hmm. or and i feel like right now it's i think it becomes a lie if it's like not not a lie that's not the right word but 
it's just, it kind of eats at you almost like a lie does when you know you want to share it with somebody because you want yeah. that intimacy with them. Yeah. But you aren't. And because that's how I've been feeling a lot with, especially with my, my cousin who I write yeah. all the time and we're very close. Yeah. And it, it's like, I'm obviously not lying to her. Right. <laughs> it's not like she asked me. Right. Do you have these things happen to you? But like, it feels the same to me, like a lie. Like a wall. Mm-hmm. Like, totally. that, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you're opposed to ever telling your cousin or do you feel like it's something where it's like the right time will come? Yeah. I mean, I think it's mostly that. And then, but it's like the right time is always tricky because when do you, how do you create that time? And then again, because I'm so dramatic, <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. like we need the right moment <laughs> all the time. But, um, yeah, I think it's something I, I would want to, but then, you know, you feel, should I burden this person with my, mm-hmm. my secret? Mm-hmm. <laughs> as, and that's what, how I feel. Like, I look at it as, mm-hmm. like, a secret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I separate, or I congeal the word secret and lying so closely mm-hmm. together. So, huh. and, I, I mean, that could be our upbringing. I, yeah, I relate to that a yeah. lot. I relate to that so much. Yeah. Um, I, I, Along those same lines, I think something that like I've been learning this year is trusting myself more to know when the right time is to share those things and also like allowing myself the space to first process something like that before feeling like I need to share it with anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it uh I'm 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 learning the same thing that you are, that like I'm have shit coping skills and part of what I'm trying to change about my coping skills is taking more time to be intentional with myself to, to bring up like my past, like religious trauma and, um, and addressing it within myself, you know, before I feel like I can then share that with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think it's like, I mean, it's vulnerable enough to like share something like that with somebody. It's extra vulnerable when like, you don't yet feel like you are at terms with it, Definitely. you know? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because then you're kind of looking for that other person to give you a response yeah. to help you feel better. And and that creates this uncomfortable tension then and also puts a lot on their plate, for sure. um, too. That's not fair, I don't think, necessarily to them always. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've been, yeah, I've been learning how to, like, first be able to, to know what it feels like when I feel more at terms with something like that within myself, you yeah. know, yeah. and to, and to, to then feel like empowered to be able to share that with someone and be able to take on whatever reaction that they give me. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's not understanding, feeling at a better place with that, of just being like, they don't, they can't relate. That's okay. It doesn't illegitimize my experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, to me, I'm like, that's, I think that's an important piece before you share a secret. Um, sometimes you don't always have that luxury, though. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you do need the help of someone else mm-hmm. to get there within yourself. And, and that's when I think it's, like you, it's especially important to be choosy in who you share that with. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also, when you saying, like, people to relate to, I think that's the thing, too, is, like, when you're sh- when you're sharing something that you feel mm-hmm. is a big deal, it's like your immediate or someone's sharing something to you. You've, your immediate response is like you want to be able to relate because we feel like it's empathy. Yeah, <laughs> and and yeah. And, and I and I hate going through that whole process with somebody when I yeah. just want to share something. <laughs> yeah, and it's like oh, you don't have to say anything. Yeah, um, you don't. It. I just want you to be here with me because yeah, you know, empathy is about sitting next to somebody, not. Being like, oh, like I, I totally it. understand you. Yeah, or this so is often my that backfires. Yeah, too. Yeah, as we know, we've talked about this. Yeah. When people try to relate to us, and we're like, actually, you actually, don't get it. It's not. So <laughs> please stop, because you're making me feel worse, yeah. and you look like an idiot. So. It's my favorite when like you're saying something to somebody, and they finish your sentence but it's not the way that you were going with that <laughs> sentence. And you're like, no. Because <laughs> I'm like, I do that shit all the time. I've like totally agreed with them just because I didn't want to be like, no. Yeah, like, <laughs> you're absolutely wrong. Yeah, yeah. I just it was like, yeah. I feel like hearing you guys process that though also makes me consider that sometimes 
it's not that it's unsafe, like that you're unsafe to share a secret with someone. It's that they're not in a safe place to receive that secret. Mm, yeah. Because I also, I can say in the last few months, I've been on the receiving end of a lot of intimate details of a situation that that person had no idea I was finding very triggering in that moment. And mm. I just did not have the energy to bring to that conversation to receive all these details that were feeling like just they were triggering a lot of emotions for me mm. and that person did nothing wrong. And unfortunately I wasn't in a position to be a super safe space for that person because mm. I did not feel safe in that conversation. And <clears throat> I think that goes back to what you were saying pepper about like consent. And sometimes it's not just like, um, being mindful of consent and that I sh- should give this person this information. It's also like, that person might need to give consent to I'm ready to hear something. Mm. So I think that, I mean, also when I hear you, Maya, talking about being dramatic, I think sometimes that's also how we see consent is like, I have something to share. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to make you feel. I just want you to know that I'm going to try to be prepared for whatever your response is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also think that us, when we are sharing something that's a wound, so you have all these recovered I'm going to say dissociated memories because what you just described was dissociation, not repression. Like you don't, didn't remember those memories until they were recovered. Mm. I think of that more as dissociation than repression. Repression is like, I know about this and I just don't want to deal with it. Dissociation is like, you didn't even know you had anything to deal with until yeah. this memory came back up. Yeah. So I also think, though, that you get to be mindful of, like, you don't owe anybody that. You didn't even have access to that memory until real recently. Right. So obviously you didn't owe anyone that information that you didn't have. And now that you have it, you, I think, have to be able to process it and sit with what do you want to do with this memory. And be mindful of once you share it with people, you're going to get their, their thoughts yeah. and their input. Yeah. And honestly, sometimes that's really unhealthy for your own mental health mm. and healing mm. is to like hear other people's thoughts and take on mm. your experience before you've really processed it for yourself. Definitely. Yeah. And, and I, I think dissociated yeah. memories are especially fragile for that reason in mm. that. Yeah. At, if, if you've recovered this memory, honestly, you might have more details come up over these next couple of weeks and months, Maya, like of those memories, the yeah. more you sit with them more details may come to the surface. I'm in, like, a really good therapy session right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> I actually, I just love that you brought this up yeah. because recently this is a huge passion of mine. I just went to a training last week on EMDR therapy, mm. and it's a lot about recovering repressed and associated memories. Mm. And so I feel like I've currently been having conversations around dissociation, so... That's why when I heard you speaking, I was like, oh, my God, this is textbook. <laughs> yeah. What I've yeah. been learning about. That's, I mean, and so, it, it's even hearing, like, the actual name of something is always, mm-hmm. like, uh, like, when I found out, like, the first one, I, I was really, I was relieved, like, immediately to know exactly what was wrong with me because I, the whole night, you know, because I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I can work from this. And being able to say it, like, to yourself, mm-hmm. knowing it is so helpful and so then I I'm like okay when is the time and I we're I think we're all in agreement like when you've processed this and when you feel ready obviously mm-hmm. um but then I wonder too like how much obviously there's professionals <laughs> like yourself that you can talk to when you have things that you want to share and don't know if it's the right person or not but mm-hmm. to walk through because I think that I've that's what I've been learning the most this last month with this last one it's just like I I do need to talk about it because at first um I just didn't like um my partner and he was very patient but I knew he really wanted me to talk with him about it but I was like did not want to because I was still think like processing all of it but I was having such a hard time like it felt like Mm -hmm. I was going down a hole and um just finally we went on a walk and my intention wasn't to talk I just wanted to walk with him but then he we just kind of tiptoed around and he opened up about how he feels like with this information which is what I wanted to hear like I wanted to know how he felt and then I talked and since I talked with him like I just felt 
so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then I'm like, all right, well, then do I need to share with other people? But then now you guys are bringing up such a great point of <laughs> this person being able to receive what you're telling them. And it's something I, I hadn't really thought of in that way. I just thought of in the fact of, like, I feel safe with this person and I feel ready so um obviously they're ready to <laughs> mm-hmm. and then you know like obviously being aware of like oh I don't want to burden this person which is like 90% of why I wouldn't say anything mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. not considering it the fact of like are they in a good place to tell them this mm-hmm. or like should I not or whatever Mm-hmm. which is a bit of a guessing game totally you know like yeah. you never you never really know and I think that's that goes back to like what you said where it's like you can always do the dramatic preface and yeah. be like hey hey I have something yeah. really important and shattering <laughs> yeah. to tell you yeah yeah <laughs> are you ready for You're it gonna need to sit are you ready for it we're gonna need burden <laughs> <laughs> but I think that can be helpful to just be like hey uh heads up I want to share this with you because I want you to know what's going on in my life, you know? And I think it's important, too, to be able to, like... For me, it's been important to um, look at my friendships differently and look at, like, who are the people that actually want to know those things about me because they care about me. Mm. And those are the people that I want to share those things with then, you know? Versus the people that are just, like, like my coworkers. Like, I, I look back on my life now and I'm like, wow, I have shared a lot of intimate details of my life with coworkers. Because <laughs> um, I wasn't really thinking about it. Yeah. And I was just like, they're people. This just happened in my life. It's an experience. And I want to share it because yeah. I want to get it off my Plus, chest. Plus, like, the service industry is such a... <laughs> Very incestuous. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> totally. Totally. And it's, yeah. So it's it's a breeding ground for that. But I... But in my current job, I've become a lot choosier with mm-hmm. that. And I don't share intimate details with my coworkers um, there like I used to. And that was hard. Mm-hmm. It was really hard for me because I was feeling like I was holding back and I was feeling like I wasn't showing who I was. But since then, I've been able to find two people that I do share more intimate things with. And, like, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, it's more meaningful yeah. because I'm like, I'm, before I was like, I was just, I was just sharing all my life with everybody and it cheapened it. And now that I feel choosier about it, I'm like, I am going into the situation sharing information with you because I want us to feel closer. Mm-hmm. I want to give this, oppor- this relationship an opportunity to feel closer. And I know that it can happen in this. And if you don't take it that way, I know that now that there's a limit in our relationship, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. But now I know that's where the line is. And uh, I probably won't share that kind of stuff with you yeah. as much anymore. Or we'll have a conversation about it. But um, it's been, like, that change in mindset has been, like, so empowering to realize that, like, I don't have to be the one that's hurt in this scenario, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I've, I've, it's, it's been cool, too, just, like, putting that intention into it of, like, I'm sharing this for us to go grow closer and seeing that actually happened then, you yeah. know, like, um, cause before, like I would share stuff and it would, it would, I would feel vulnerable. And then I would actually miss, I think a lot of that other person's reaction and trying to meet me there because I was still so hyped up from feeling so vulnerable in it. Mm. And now I feel like I go into it with like a stiller mind and a, like a stiller place mm. to where I can then like receive the connection that they give me back right. to where I'm like present in that moment more. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, you know, what was interesting to bring this kind of full circle to the beginning of the conversation when, Pepper, you were saying that when you first were talking to Maya about keeping secrets, how you felt like that turned the concept of the podcast on its head. And I'm wondering if you can explain that more because... I don't think I got that impression. To yeah. me, I feel like this yeah. coincides very well, I much. Well, I think you you and I have been in very different places when it comes to secrets. I think that, like, yeah. I think that you've taught me a lot about the art of secret telling, really. Mm-hmm. And because before, for me, I didn't realize until dating this partner of mine who mm-hmm. was very secretive mm-hmm. of just, like, how much I feel the need to share all my secrets in a, yeah. in a, in a way that's, like, I have to. Like mm-hmm. that, that was not my choosing. I've, ah. I've just always felt like my secrets were not really mine to keep and, and that they were actually like, I, and it, it goes back to like the, 
the church thing that we were talking about of just feeling like the act of confession was what made you Uh, you absolved it's what like made you feel good again Hmm. so if I was feeling any sort of like unsettled feelings because of something my Mm -hmm. initial gut thing would be to tell somebody about it right instead of sitting on it and I was so afraid that if I sat on something that it would fester and that it would turn into something that would like erode me Mm -hmm. as a human so I didn't feel I didn't feel safe within secrets so the idea of like holding on to something um within yourself um requires a lot of trust with yourself yeah um to be able to handle that and I wasn't in a place to be able to do that yet Mm. and over this last year I've learned a lot more in terms of like trusting myself to be able to handle difficult emotions and trusting myself to be able to like work through difficult emotions by myself Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. has been really empowering to not feel like I need someone else to get through it to help Mm -hmm. me handle the emotional load of it and to know that like I can actually do that myself um and to know that like when I can't to know like when I'm like this is I I do need to talk to someone about this Mm -hmm. and just like knowing what those two feelings feel like um and becoming more in in touch with that and it's hard to put into words what those feelings are but now I'm starting to like see it more in myself of what that is Mm -hmm. so that I know and it and it feels really good to be able to to own your own secrets and know that like when I'm sharing them that it's 100% me choosing to share this because I Mm -hmm. want to share it Yeah. yeah um and it, yeah. like when yeah and it was relatively a new concept for me <laughs> to with, like because I had never really at least I thought really anything to withhold that felt like it also defined me and I wasn't telling people because I like I don't know I just like had never really had anything at least that I remembered <laughs> like mm-hmm. to to share and that was a big deal and like kind of character defining or like an and especially that was affecting me like so intensely for for quite a long time and that I just kept to myself and mm-hmm. um and even yeah and not outrightly lied because it's not like anyone guessed mm-hmm. but like just didn't share when something was obviously going on and then mm-hmm. deciding if that was because it was private or if I was lying by not mm-hmm. sharing it. And so I had been dealing mm-hmm. with that for like a year or two or something when you, when yeah. we talked yeah, and just wrestling with that concept of like, yeah. cause I had never like had something so big that I just w- wouldn't sure. talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. especially to people that I was so intimate with. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think like when you, t- when you talk about that, like that, like lying thing, like the way that I think of it is just like, feeling inauthentic mm-hmm. you know and totally. when you don't feel authentic in your relationships you it does feel like you're lying yeah. even though you're not out outrightly but it just feels like yeah. I'm not showing you who I really am and I I mean I experienced this in our relationship mm-hmm. um that was something that like came to a head for us where I was feeling like I wasn't really showing you all the parts of me mm-hmm. and that took like some months to work through Mm-hmm. for us and it's been like really healing for me to to be able to have like shown that to you and like have you still be there for me because I mm-hmm. for whatever reason sometimes you get it in your head you know that like they won't yeah. understand it because you and I are so different that I was like yeah. she's not gonna be able to relate to it mm-hmm. so she's not gonna be able to understand it so she won't right. validate it mm-hmm. and, that, and that was wrong you know like that wasn't true mm-hmm. but um but that was like a big learning process for me mm-hmm. like going through that with you of just like learning that like how to share parts of myself that are, that I have not always viewed positively, you know, that like oftentimes have like put a wedge. It's, there are parts of myself that are like, um, like the anxiety, you know, the right. sadness, the depression that I'm so afraid that if someone sees that they're going to be like, no, thanks. That's right. a little too much, you know? Um, and I, I was like scared of that with you because you're like such a positive, bright person mm-hmm. um that that would be the case you know yeah. um but it was in like the hiding of it that like inauthenticity that I like actually actualized mm-hmm. what it was that I was afraid of which was yeah. of like a, there being a distance mm-hmm. you know so I think that's like the fear for me is yeah. like that inauthenticity is going to create totally this like further barriers yeah. and walls right. yeah um but I think it's I think, like, by in being honest with yourself, like, I think it starts there 
you know, like, and it doesn't always mean that you have to share it with someone else, but if you can be honest with yourself about like the tension that you're feeling and that like you're needing to like feel out that situation and whether it's safe or not before you share it, Mm -hmm. that that can start to help tear down those walls, you know, by giving the other person like a little bit of credit of being like, this isn't on you. Mm. It's just that I'm not feeling safe to, to, to share this yet. Yeah. So I'm going to give a little bit of space in this relationship and fill it out and let this mm-hmm. unfold instead of assuming that, you know, yeah. that this will create a barrier or yeah, whatever. Right. Yeah. And to me, I think that it's okay to have highlighted, like, that there is distance in some relationships. Mm-hmm. And, like, there are, all of my relationships have parts of me that I feel more safe and confident to highlight than others. And I think that, like, I still think I'm myself with my mom, but there's a lot of things that my mom doesn't know about me. And to be honest, I'm most comfortable with some distance in that relationship mm-hmm. because I honestly am safest, Yeah, I think. Yeah. And, I mean, as time goes on, I think I'm having those moments like you, Pepper, where I'm like, I do want to give my mom credit that I think she's proven herself capable of more than I would have expected two years ago, totally. three years ago. Yeah. But I feel like right now I still want there to be some distance and that... I don't owe her total transparency. Yeah. But in a relationship like with my partner where I wouldn't say we owe each other transparency automatically because we're partners, but him and I have kind of made that a primary value in our relationship where we really are emphasizing transparency. I do think that I, in a way, I do kind of owe him transparency if I'm expecting that from him. Mm. Because that's a really vulnerable thing to request. So I feel like I need to reciprocate. Um, But I consented to that relationship to be that way. And if I ever don't feel safe, I will let them know I'm not in a place where I want this level of transparency. Yeah. But... Right now. I think also it's interesting hearing both of you talk because it sounds like for you both, secret telling, you had many experiences of secret telling that felt obligatory and thus didn't feel like they weren't even authentic because it wasn't like you were sharing a gift with someone. Very true. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think my whole life I've seen secrets as a gift. I loved it when my friends told me secrets. I thought that was a huge deal. I was Mm -hmm. like, they're trusting me with that? I was just (laughs) flattered. And I think I was very lucky. I think most of my life I've been pretty lucky that when I have shared secrets with people, I have usually pretty swiftly gotten validation and gotten, like, assurance that my my weaknesses or my most, like, embarrassing parts of myself are relatable. Mm. And so I think that's helped normalize secrets for me, which is what I think the whole... For me, this was my inspiration coming to this podcast of, like, allowing people to come tell a secret hear at least two secrets that are on a similar trajectory which just normalizes Mm -hmm. that all secrets aren't like having secrets is normal having weird things happen to you and doing weird things is actually just normal yeah yeah Um, definitely but I also still have secrets I mean there's some things that I wouldn't share on this podcast and there's things I wouldn't share with colleagues just like there's things that I um to say the least, I'd be mindful of how and when I shared it with even, like, my partner, someone yeah. who I have a ton of transparency with. I still don't think that I need to, like, immediately tell them, this is what happened and here's how I feel about it. Right. Like, I think it's okay still to take time to be mindful of, if I'm going to share something that might impact them, I want to do it in a way that is least threatening. Yeah, yeah. And is mindful of if and when they will be ready to receive that information. Yeah, how do we do that? (laughs) Yeah, how do we approach that and let people know? Because you know instantly when you're like, hey, I want to be able to tell you something. Like, you can't be like... Cats out of the bag. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like, oh, tell me now. It's like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, if you're ready for it. But, like, honestly, how do we we let people know, like, we want to share something with them and make sure they're okay with it what would be time. wrong with what you just said because i was i was gonna just say she does that a lot actually yeah Kit, yeah Kitty i does do that, that. Kitty does really. that a lot Kitty yeah. does that a lot. We're like i'm feeling something but i'm not ready to share it yet um or i i say like hey can i talk for him like is there yeah. i have something to share and i sometimes do see consent of like hey i have something i want to share but i can wait until later if if you need some time 
if now's not a time that you can right. handle kind of a feelings full house moment. I think what's tricky with that, though, is that, like, not everybody is in touch with themselves enough to know yeah. that. And that's, like, I'm, I'm like, thinking of specific True. people that I know who would yeah. am- automatically be, like, tell There's me so right many. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And you're like, oh, I don't, like, is this yeah. the same time? Yeah. Yeah. more anxiety. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. That no. makes sense. But, but you would hope yeah. so. Like, they would be like, you know what? No. Because, <laughs> like, you don't know. They don't know what you're going to tell them. Especially yeah. coming from me. They're, <laughs> they're like, are you just going to tell me, like, a new movie's coming out? Like, <laughs> 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 Calm down. <laughs> or whatever. I, I, the, that's just, like, the way my dramatic brain is working, though. Yeah. It's like... Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot more options than what your dramatic brain is <laughs> is yeah. playing with. It's yeah. like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm about to hit you with a hammer. And you're yeah. like, no, it's like you're giving me a pen. <laughs> <laughs> so I can write this down. <laughs> or something. Um, one thing I did want to say is, um, well, there's two things, actually. One is the inauthentic. Why can't I say that word? In th- in- Inauthenticity. Yeah, thank you. You, you guys can it. say it for me. Um <laughs> But that is, like, a huge part of, like, how, how I operate is not wanting to feel inauthentic. Yeah. And then it and it comes down to a lot of, like, writing for me. Because, mm-hmm. um, and there's just been things that I felt like I couldn't really write about because I, I eventually want to share, but then I sometimes can't even share it with myself. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes. And, and then that feels like that's like a huge hit it's like yeah that's repression yeah that's the repressed part part. (laughs) Uh but yeah and and especially I mean I started I used to have a blog and I tore it down and started a blog that I gave to no one just so I had like the freedom to write about things that I wanted to write about and even still I haven't put on things that I intended to because it just it's this weird Mm -hmm. barrier of like if I put it out there, it's not, it's not just for me anymore. And I don't know if I'm like, you know, I think you got to give yourself credit though, too. Like writing is a vi- especially your writing mm. is very vulnerable. Yeah. It's very vulnerable and it's very permanent. Yeah. So that, that is a whole other medium of like vulnerability that like, yeah. I think does require a lot more. Yeah. Careful consideration for yeah. sure. But I'm like, yeah. And at this point now, I'm like, I'm so tired of considering it. Like, I'm yeah. like, let's <laughs> just, just, let's do just it, see what it. happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say with this dissociated memories, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, even more now, I'm just like, uh, I need to like let things out, like go, mm-hmm. because it's like, obviously, I thought I was good at coping, like, because the first time it happened, you know, I was like, all right, like, we sunk in, now we know how to work from this, it's good, Mm -hmm. and now that there's another, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, you can't, like, something in your brain was like, you can't handle this information, just, like, shut it down, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Like I can just geek out for the rest of the night just about <laughs> association. Because that's literally what it is. It's yeah. it, In a weird sense, it's a gift that your brain gives to right, your body yeah. because it knows that you don't have the coping skills to deal with what's happening. So totally. it's just going to remove you from that. Yeah. Do you think that it brings it up again when it knows that you do have the coping skills to deal with it? Or maybe it has this inkling that you could deal with or it again? Or it's just like a, it's like a random thing. Like something just triggered. Because I can't figure out what triggered just, it at all. Often like, I think it's a sensory mm, memory. So yeah. it's either a... I, I I don't know. Yeah. It can be all different things for... And that's a really interesting theory, theory Pepper. I wonder if there is something spiritual about that, that yeah. your body's giving you the gift of waiting until you can cope with it. That being said, the whole reason why I'm really pursuing EMDR therapy is that I think that you also aren't necessarily ready to cope with what comes back when yeah. it starts coming back. Right. Well, I, w- I wonder if it, it's not that you have, like, the set in stone coping skills for it mm-hmm. but it's just that like there's enough that's changed in your brain chemistry your outlook to where you could be receptive to actually dealing with it right yeah and finding the coping skills to deal with it even if you don't have the yeah. coping skills where you're at is now a place of like readiness to hmm. to figure it out or maybe and, like, like it's when your body knows that you're safe yeah and that's I will that. say it's like when I was writing about it like the moments before that was like such a hallmark like moment because like it was me 
and my boy mm-hmm. driving down the yeah. highway and just like Oof. in a yeah. cabin full of love, singing love songs, mm-hmm. holding hands. Wow. Just feeling like yeah. so good. Wow. And then all of a sudden it was just like, boom, like right there. What an emotional and I, trip. And I really feel like it is kind of like that. I mean, I will go with like the whole spiritual part of it. It's just like, I, like, I mean, I have like the a partner who I, was able to handle it with me and yeah. who, like who actually made me handle it like yeah you know you and in that process yeah like just in a good place to be able to mm-hmm. work through and like I mean honestly I could cry but like something happens when I feel like I'm gonna cry and I just mm-hmm. like stop <laughs> but I I feel so lucky to have him as my partner because he just mm-hmm. he creates like such a good support system and I've never trusted anybody with like mm-hmm. my life other than him the way mm-hmm. like I trusted with him but yeah there's I think there's like kind of something to that of like just all of a sudden you're ready yeah <laughs> go yeah <laughs> or whatever but yeah I mean it, I it makes me feel weird that and a gift that like I didn't remember, and mm-hmm. um, then I'm like, oh, am I not good at handling things? <laughs> like, I think you know. I would. I feel like I would also like question myself for sure. Yeah, you know, in that process of just being like, what, like, am I not tough enough for you? <laughs> like, and you're like no, talking, yeah, yeah. and you're like talking to yourself. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it like you brings out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your yeah. brain made an overriding decision. But yeah. it brings out those, like, sides of you. It brings out, like, there's a side of you. Yeah. There's a part of you mm-hmm. that was, like, the parent in that situation. Right. And was like, nope. Not girl. Nope, yeah. not doing it. Yeah, and I am grateful. Like, I was, again, writing about that. <laughs> like, just, like, yeah, I'm really glad. But I'm also, like, why did you do that to me at the same time? It's, like, this weird... Like, yeah. thank you, but who the fuck are you to yeah. like, take that away? Yeah. And Yeah. But at the same time, again, thank you <laughs> for taking that away. Because I don't know if I would have survived, like, yeah. the next yes. couple of years, like, as a high school person, remembering all of that and thinking about it and mm. whatever. What you just described, I just need you to know, is an incredibly common response for people who have dissociated. Because often there is this, obviously it was a gift that you didn't have to deal with those emotions in that moment. And yet there's also a lot of guilt that can come out for people. Mm. Um, I guess it very much depends on the trauma that they dissociated from. But oftentimes people, survivors with dissociation do identify with this emotion of guilt. Mm. Of like, but why don't I remember? Or why... Why didn't I get to do anything about it then? You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's good to hear. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I've just felt pretty stupid. Like, mm-hmm. and and stupid is an accurate word for, like, how I felt. Just, like, mm-hmm. you know. Well, you're yeah. you're being introduced to, like, a side of yourself that you didn't know was there. Yeah, it's, like... So that's got to be unsettling. And I, yeah. and I pride myself on self-awareness. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So I'm just, like, how did I not Not see know? that. Yeah. 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 That's powerful. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate how vulnerable you've been in sharing <laughs> that on this podcast. Yeah. And I think that you did something really artistic in that you shared that you have repressed memories or, or dissociated memories and you were, I think, really tactful in not sharing with us those details because clearly that's not a secret that you're trying to sh- disclose on a podcast. Yeah. And I think that those, those are really awesome boundaries. And we still were able to have a really rich conversation about what's your re- emotional response and feelings around yeah. processing those dissociated memories and who do you owe that information to and not. Yeah. Um, and I, I know we got to kind of wrap up this interview, but is there anything that you want to share, Maya, kind of in reflection to anyone else who may be hearing this is like, oh, shit, I have dissociated memories, too. Yeah. Any kind of message you'd want to send to those listeners? Um, yeah, I think the only thing I've learned is just, like, not to deal with it yourself. Like, I think, um, yeah, mm-hmm. whether it's you're able to share it or... And I did not even give the full details to my partner because it's just, like, something 
you you have to choose for yourself like what you share but I think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. letting somebody in and knowing like mm, I'm not doing okay and that's all I had to say to him was like I'm not doing okay and yeah. I, that's pretty much enough yeah yeah it's okay to not be okay mm-hmm. it is okay mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome well thank you so much for coming on thank um, you yeah. um yeah, I've been looking me forward to this for a year. Yeah. So it's nice to it's nice to have it happen and have it happen in the perfect timing that it did because mm-hmm. I feel like so many things have happened in everyone's lives to where this was like the, yeah, the perfect right timing yeah. to be able to crack that open. Yeah. And thank you just for sharing yeah, all the all the details that you did. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Top Secret. Kitty here to give shout outs to the many giving souls that make Top Secret Girlcast possible. The show is produced by friend of the Girlcast, Stefan Yazvak, and our music is by the incredibly talented Bob Bean. Pepper and I would like to give kudos galore to these artists for making the production of our podcast super duper easy and customized to our every last Girlcasting desire. Lastly, Thank you to all of the guests who have already been and will be courageously vulnerable enough to be interviewed on the show. If you or someone you know would be interested in having your secret read on the podcast or being interviewed in our Northeast Minneapolis studio, please email us at topsecretgirlcast at gmail.com. 